Hey everybody, Sean Rosen still here. Say, this mind map is getting fleshed out pretty well. We're coming into the home stretch here. Today's video, we're talking about chapter 14, the sixth sense. Napoleon describes this as the door to the temple of wisdom. So we've got a few key points here to address. Let's dive right in. First key point here is apex of the philosophy. I'm on page 193. He says that the, this principle is the apex of the philosophy. It can be assimilated, understood, and applied only by first mastering the other 12 principles. So if you remember back to the chapter on auto-suggestion, I believe it was chapter four, he said that auto-suggestion is the keystone of the philosophy. That's kind of the thing that holds everything together, right? What he's suggesting now is that this sixth sense is actually the apex. It's at the top of the entire philosophy. Principle is the apex of the philosophy. It can be assimilated, understood, and only applied by first mastering the other 12 principles. So keep that in mind as we read about the sixth sense. He's suggesting that we have to really learn and apply the other 12 chapters of this book, the other 12 principles, before we can truly apply our sixth sense, right? Next key point here, creative imagination. I'm on page 193 again. He says that the sixth sense is that portion of the subconscious mind, which has been referred to as the creative imagination. It has also been referred to as the receiving set through which ideas, plans, and thoughts flash into the mind. The flashes are sometimes called hunches or inspirations. And I think we've all experienced this to some degree, even if we weren't consciously trying to, right? Like we've all been taking a walk or maybe taking a shower and all of a sudden just an idea strikes us like a bolt of lightning, right? So that's what he's suggesting here is that the sixth sense is the same as this thing called the creative faculty of your imagination, which of course he talked at great length about in the chapter on imagination, right? Third key point here, meditation. He says that the sixth sense defies description. It cannot be described to a person who has not mastered the other principles of the philosophy because such a person has no knowledge and no experience with which the sixth sense may be compared. Understanding of the sixth sense comes only by meditation through mind development from within. The sixth sense probably is the medium of contact between the finite mind of man and infinite intelligence. And for this reason, it is a mixture of both mental and spiritual. It is believed to be the point at which the mind of man contacts universal mind. So a lot of the teachers that I've followed in my lifetime as it pertains to learning meditation have always suggested that if you want to, meditation can be that form of conscious contact with God. So I think that's what Napoleon's referring to here is that he's saying that the sixth sense can only come from meditation through mind development from within. And he puts this, he puts it this way. He says the sixth sense probably, he doesn't know. None of us really know, right? So he says it's probably the medium, medium of contact between the finite mind of man and infinite intelligence. And again, I believe he uses this phrase infinite intelligence instead of God or, or source or divine mind or whatever you might call it, 
just to kind of keep it open-ended because obviously 100 years ago, whenever this was, um, I think a lot of people may have found some of these principles quite offensive. So he uses this term infinite intelligence to just kind of keep it generic, broad, and universal. So that way you and I, as the readers of the philosophy, can translate that however way we want to. Key point four, he says, first cause. I'm going to go ahead here and jump over to page 194. He says, there is a power or a first cause or an intelligence which permeates every atom of matter and embraces every unit of energy perceptible to man. That this infinite intelligence converts acorns into oak trees, causes water to flow downhill in response to the law of gravity, follows night with day, and winter with summer, each maintaining its proper place in relationship to the other. This intelligence may, through the principles of this philosophy, be induced to aid in transmuting desires into concrete or material form. So what he's suggesting here is that this first cause that created everything in the universe may actually be induced to our own aid in transmuting our desires into concrete or material form. And we can induce this through the sixth sense, right? Some real powerful ideas here. Fifth key concept, emulate the great. Lower here down on page 194, he says, my experience has taught me that the next best thing to being truly great is to emulate the great by feeling and action as nearly as possible. So today I would call this modeling, right? This is that idea of modeling others, role modeling others, and following people and behaving like others and thinking like others who have maybe struggled through the same things that you've struggled with and are on the other side, or people who have achieved certain things or accomplished certain goals that you've set out to accomplish yourself. So I know this as modeling. To me, that phrase is pretty common. It's why we read books. It's why we hire coaches. It's why we take online training, right? Emulate the great. I think that's a really neat phrase here. And what he does next is he demonstrates to us his unique way of emulating some of the great people that, that he learned from in his lifetime, both living and deceased, right? So it leads us to this next point of invisible counselors, This is probably, in my view, one of the neatest stories in the book. And I think Napoleon had to have such courage to share this because it's it's far out. (laughs) You know, it's a little bit out there. So let's see what he says here. This is one of the big ideas that I took away from this chapter. So I'm starting on page 195 now. He says, every night over a long period of years, I held an imaginary council meeting with this group whom I called my invisible counselors. I had a very definite purpose in indulging my imagination through these nightly meetings. My purpose was to rebuild my own character. So it would represent a composite of the characters of the imaginary counselors. In these imaginary council meetings, I called on my cabinet members for the knowledge I wished each to contribute. Then, of course, he goes through a list of people and and why he was calling on them and what kind of character-building traits he would want to receive from them. I'm on the bottom of page 196 now. He says, 
My method of addressing the members of the imaginary cabinet would vary according to the traits of character in which I was, for the moment, most interested in acquiring. I studied the records of their lives with painstaking care. After some months of this nightly procedure, I was astounded by the discovery that these imaginary figures became apparently real. I'm at the bottom now of page 197. One evening, Edison arrived ahead of all the others. He walked over and seated himself at my left where Emerson was accustomed to sit and said, you are destined to witness the discovery of the secret of life. When the time comes, you will observe that life consists of great swarms of energy or entities, each as intelligent as human beings think themselves to be. These units of life group together like hives of bees and remain together until they disintegrate through lack of harmony. These units have differences of opinion, the same as human beings, and often fight among themselves. These meetings which you are conducting will be very helpful for you. They will bring to your rescue some of the same units of life which serve the members of your cabinet during their lives. These units are eternal. They never die. Your own thoughts and desires serve as the magnet which attracts units of life from the great ocean of life out there. Only the friendly units are attracted, the ones which harmonize with the nature of your desires. Wow. Edison was still living when this happened. It impressed me so greatly that I went to see him and told him about the experience. He smiled broadly and said, your dream was more a reality than you imagined it to have been. He added no further explanation to his statement. I'm gonna jump over to page 199 now. While the members of my cabinet may be purely fictional, and the meetings existent only in my own imagination, they have led me into glorious paths of adventure, rekindled an appreciation of true greatness, encouraged creative endeavor, and emboldened the expression of honest thought. During my meetings with the invisible counselors, I find my mind most receptive to ideas, thoughts, and knowledge which reach me through the sixth sense. I can truthfully say that I owe entirely to my invisible counselors full credit for such ideas, facts, or knowledge as I received through inspiration. On scores of occasions, when I have faced emergencies, some of them so grave that my life was in jeopardy, I have been miraculously guided past these difficulties through the influence of my invisible counselors. To sum it up here, I'm on page, top of page 200. My original purpose in conducting council meetings with imaginary beating, beings was solely that of impressing my own subconscious mind through the principle of auto-suggestion with certain characteristics which I desired to acquire. In more recent years, my experimentation has taken on an entirely different trend. I now go to my imaginary counselors with every difficult problem which confronts me and my clients. The results are often astonishing, although I do not depend entirely on this form of counsel. Wow, that's just such an incredible story. Um, 
I think Napoleon had to have so much courage for sharing that because as I mentioned before, it's a little bit out there, isn't it? I just think that that's, it's almost a form of prayer, isn't it? You know, many of us pursue prayer in our own way and we hope to make conscious contact with God that way. Um, you know, Napoleon was very, very intentional about who it was he wanted to make conscious contact with. He had his list of role models, right? He, he wanted to emulate the great of his time and the time before him. And he knew exactly what he wanted. And he would get into these meetings and do his thing, silence, quiet his mind, and imagine these meetings taking place. And it's not that far out of a thought, is it? I mean, let's say that there is someone that, you know, was once very close to you in your own life. And let's say they've, they've passed on. They're no longer with us, at least in, in, on earth, right? Well, isn't it true that you could quiet your mind and get into a peaceful place and think about that person and maybe even imagine yourself having a discussion with that person and asking them for advice? Like, for example, I know, you know, my dad, I'm very fortunate, my dad is still with us. And I think he's a profound person. He has unbelievable advice and guidance for me. Uh, he's helped me out my whole life. I've been very lucky. And whenever I'm faced with a problem, I can tap into his wisdom without even talking to him. You know, I, I understand his perspective on certain things and I, and I, I understand his wisdom to a certain degree, because I've been listening to it for so many years. And if I quiet my mind and I pretend like I have a conversation with him in my head, I know how he'll respond to certain things. And then of course I can choose to take that guidance or not, just like if I was talking with him in person, right? So the reason he studied these people, these heroes in his own life, the reason he read these stories about them and these biographies and autobiographies it's because he wanted to get to know their character a little better. That's why reading biographies and autobiographies of some of the greatest people who have ever graced us here on earth is so powerful because you get to you get to understand their values, their beliefs, their character, their makeup. And then you can choose whether or not you want to emulate or model that behavior, right? So this is a fascinating and profound concept, this concept of invisible counselors. So I hope you found it as, as interesting as I did too. Next key point here, building character. I'm back to page 195. He says that all men have become what they are because of their dominating thoughts and desires. Every deeply seated desire has the effect of causing one to seek outward expression through which that desire may be transmuted into reality. Self-suggestion, which is auto-suggestion, right? Self-suggestion is a powerful factor in building character. That is, in fact, the sole principle through which character is built. So understanding our own character is a bit of a difficult thing to get a hold of. It's a little bit intangible, right? What are the dominating thoughts that we have? you know, day to day, because chances are that's what's forming and forging our character day to day. So that's why it's so important to have our dominating thoughts be more of a positive nature than a negative nature, right? Because those dominating thoughts 
That's the principle of auto-suggestion. And it's happening whether you're conscious or aware of it or not. It's happening anyway. So you might as well choose to have those dominating thoughts be more positive than negative so that you can build a good character of yourself. Does that make sense? So this idea of building character is powerful. And well, how, how, how do we start to build character? It's such an unknown thing. Well, we start with self-suggestion. We start with auto-suggestion. So it's a good time to check yourself here and start to become more aware and become the observer behind your thoughts here over the next few days and make sure that you have more empowering than limiting thoughts, right? Next key point here, blessings of maturity. I'm on page 199. Napoleon says, this is the first time that I have had the courage to mention this. He's referring to this idea of invisible counselors. Heretofore, I have remained quiet on the subject because I knew from my own attitude in connection with such matters that I would be misunderstood if I described my unusual experience. I have been emboldened now to reduce my experience to the printed page because I am now less concerned about what they say than I was in the years that have passed. One of the blessings of maturity is that it sometimes brings one greater courage to be truthful, regardless of what those who do not understand may think or say. And I found that true in my own life. I think maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was a little bit more insecure than I am now. I still have my insecurities, but I was a little bit more concerned and more afraid and more hesitant to really be true to myself and to be who I really was and to say what was on my mind. I was more, I would say, inauthentic than I am today. And I think what he's saying here makes sense. There's a blessing of maturity in that as we grow older, as we mature, we have more courage to be our unique, true selves, right? We no longer hide from it, right? We tend to uh, you know, fly our freak flag, <laughs> as, as a good friend of mine would say. So it's something to think about. Think, think about your own life and ask yourself, you know, is that true of your own life? As you've matured over the years, have you had more courage to be who you really are, to be your full authentic self? Next key point here, all great leaders. I'm on page 200 now. He says, nearly all great leaders such as Napoleon, Bismarck, Joan of Arc, Christ, Buddha, Confucius, and Muhammad understood and probably made use of the sixth sense almost continuously. The major portion of their greatness consisted of their knowledge of this principle. So we look at those great leaders and think about any of the great leaders, you know, in your life anyway. Who do you think is a great leader that's living today, that's blessed us with their presence in the past? Who comes to mind when you think of great leaders? What Napoleon's suggesting here is that they probably made use of this sixth sense. And if we're looking to become more like them, if we're looking to lead lives of significance and con contribute to those we lead, love, and serve, how often are we tapping into our own understanding of the sixth sense, right? Pretty interesting concept here. Next, age of 40. This is the final key point of this chapter on the sixth sense. I'm on page 200 again, towards the bottom. He says, the sixth sense is not something that one can take off and put on at will. 
ability to use this great power comes slowly through application of the other principles outlined in this book. Seldom does any individual come into workable knowledge of the sixth sense before the age of 40. More often, the knowledge is not available until one is well past 50, and this for the reason that the spiritual forces with which the sixth sense is so closely related do not mature and become usable except through years of meditation, self-examination, and serious thought. So he mentioned this in a previous chapter, right? He mentioned the fact that I think it was the, uh, the mystery of sex transmutation, right? He mentioned that, you know, many of us, especially men, will dissipate our sexual energy through physical expression versus rerouting it versus transmuting it, as Napoleon says, towards more, a more creative expression. And, he's, and he said that many of us don't really learn that until the age of 40, or maybe even 50. So what he's saying here too is same thing applies to this principle of the sixth sense. Many of us don't necessarily pay attention to this until we're 40 years old or later, and it takes years of self-examination, introspection, meditation, right? Serious thought to build this habit, so to speak. So some good food for thought as we close this chapter, chapter 14 on the sixth sense. Wow, the mind map's really coming together here. We've got one more chapter, the last chapter in the book, chapter 15, how to outwit the six ghosts of fear. A lot of great, great, great key points in that chapter. So if you liked what you saw and heard today, please feel free to like this video, share it with anyone who you know who might benefit, and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the last video or any other future video series that we publish. So I look forward to seeing you and serving you in the last video. Take care.